consider the setting as we go into this uh, study on protection. The Hebrew people understood a couple of things. They understood sheep, they understood shepherds, and they understood shepherding. And their great king David had been a shepherd. And so they understood quite well, like many before and since him, uh, there were there were a great need for shepherds. Their scripture, the scripture our Old Testament used the imagery of sheep and shepherd to depict the chosen people and to depict God Himself. And there could be no better image that God would choose than a shepherd and a sheep, because we know how, how defenseless and stupid sheep can often be by their nature. And so they need protection, and they need somebody like God. Uh, who would go with the character who can provide the kind of protection uh, that a sheep needs. Religious leaders like to fancy themselves as shepherds to their people as well. Jesus understood and set out to demonstrate that many of the religious leaders of his were really strangers, not shepherds who cared for their sheep. When we see Jesus mentioning that over and over and over, and even the Old Testament, we hear that imagery of shepherds and how they took care of the sheep, and, uh, and how some were not uh, behaving like true shepherds. Okay, question number one on page 29. When have you felt protected during a strange or scary situation? Or when was the last time? you felt protected during a scary or strange situation that you haven't encountered before. Anybody? Well, one time I was going around the roundabout and I was wrong because I missed my corner so I decided to go around and I should have turned but I continued mm -hmm. and it had to be the guardian angel to stop that truck from hitting us. Wow. And I guess you say your heart is in your mouth. Yeah. Now I know for sure. Amen. Anybody else? Had a frightening experience. But you felt that God protected you. How about you uh, driving down the street and this person in the front of you driving really slow and you're really late. You're running late. And you really, I mean, you just can't stand being behind this person. I mean, they're not going anywhere. Okay, they're probably sightseeing or something or playing with their phone or something. But they're driving really slow and you want to overtake them. I experienced You know, and then you had a chance to overtake them and, and, and you said, well, no, I, one mind tell me you shouldn't. And as soon as you got fired up with this big truck came around the bend. Mm -hmm. What would happen if you had taken that, overtake yep. that car? Then you know that it was God protecting you, right? And of course, we've all had those experiences. Okay, and those are experiences of God's protection. And uh, we don't realize it until after it happens. Also, when you're going down the road and somebody just comes and crosses you, right? Just as quickly as that. Cuts, cut, cuts you off. Cuts you off, but I mean, <laughs> you're going slow enough, so you're less that you are going slow mm -hmm. enough to not go and hit right into them when they cross by. That's oh, right. One time I was driving in the U.S. and I was driving from Miami to Fort Lauderdale and Emily was a baby so she was strapped in and um, the GPS wouldn't work because it was raining hard, hard, hard and it's like 2 a.m. in the morning and I found myself in Everglades area. I didn't know how that happened but I just said, Jesus, take the wheel because the GPS doesn't work. You get lost. You know what I mean? I was like 2 o'clock in the morning 
Okay, the point. Jesus is the only one who offers us ultimate protection. He is the only one that offers us ultimate protection. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life on page 30. Someone want to read that, please? Several years ago, while traveling in a major city, our family was using the subway on an especially crowded day. When the train arrived at our station, my wife and I surged ahead with the crowd, moving two of our children forward. Each thought the other was holding our youngest son's hand. But as the train began moving, we saw him standing in the boarding area, alone. We panicked. We jumped off the train at the next stop and grabbed the first train headed back in the other direction. We prayed the whole way trying to hold back the tears, fearful of what might happen to a little boy left all alone. We arrived to find our son still standing there on the platform, wide-eyed and wondering where we had gone. In the end, all was well. We all know the feeling of vulnerability is disconcerting, to say the least. Jesus knows life can be overwhelming, but he has not left us alone. He protects us and assures our ultimate safety with him. Amen. Okay, uh, passages on page 31, John chapter 7. Uh, let's have someone read verses 7 to 10, please. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't, didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Okay, so we see a definition there of the door of the sheep. Two definitions. Door of the sheep and the other one of abundance. A door of the sheep, a corralled sheep into makeshift pens at night for protection. Forming a door with a bundle of sticks or his own person. So the, the, uh, the shepherd would use himself as a door for the sheep to go in and out. Someone have a comment? 
Everything okay back there? మినిమం it can refer to both quality and quantity so keep that thought in mind whenever you see that word abundant or abundance it means super exceedingly great more than the minimum is what it means and that's what jesus says and what he means here when he says i have come to offer you life and that you may have it in what super abundance more than the minimum he doesn't want you to have a menial life he wants you to have the best possible life that you can have and only he can provide that so keep that thought in mind when every said that word abundance the immediate context um of these words of, of this these verses in the story of the blind man healed on the sabbath day in verse 9 uh this displeased the pharisees well let's look at um the door of the sheep Jesus said I am the door of the sheep tending sheep required securing the flock at night from predators uh sheep would defense listen so they were a good catch for any predator because remember now sheep doesn't have any defensive mechanism whatsoever a goat have horns right and all the other animals that you could think of in the animal kingdom have some kind of defense uh the sheep doesn't have any and so the sheep is totally vulnerable to any kind of predator a temporary sheep fold will use either a natural formation that has only one entrance such as a cave or a narrow ravine with two rocks rocks around a ravine or be constructed by a shepherd using branches topped off with thorns in a lean to construction uh contraption uh sort of build like a sheep pen and uh and uh, the shepherd would be the entrance uh, that the sheep would uh, they're they're familiar with the shepherd and so they're going to go wherever the shepherd is and that would make uh, the entrance the shepherd would either build a, a movable lattice branch door or station himself blocking the entrance access to the sheep without the shepherd knowing would be impossible because the shepherd is the door of the sheep and he fixed himself in such a way that you, in order to get to the sheep you had to go through the shepherd and so that's what he means here when he says the shepherd is the door of the sheep jesus being the door of the sheep presents a powerful picture of ultimate protection like a shepherd for his sheep and so when jesus talks about himself being the shepherd what he is saying is to get to my sheep you got to get through me okay get the picture that's the kind of ultimate protection we have jesus is the shepherd we are the sheep in order for anybody to get to us they have to go to the shepherd and we have used that expression at times too remember when uh, rex major had that home invasion and the fellows tried to attack uh, jewel was it jewel yeah and uh, and her mother threw herself on her and said to the, to the guys to get to her you got to go through me all right and that's what jesus does for us he protects us he is the ultimate protection 
And Jewel, like Jewel's mother was, the, the, the intruder uh, was not able to get to Jewel because her mother said to get to her, you got to go through me. And her mother was what, 82 years old? Yes, her mother's 80, 82 years old. And uh, she protected her young daughter. There was another home invasion on the weekend. Uh, Charles McCarthy was attacking his home. And I understand that he had um, he need, um, urgent surgery uh, on another home invasion. And he lives out Cable Beach somewhere. Love Beach. Huh? Love Beach? Love Beach? Yeah. Okay, so he was attacked. And of course, you remember his sister died. Yeah. The house fired. I understand that that was a, that was a murder too. Uh, someone killed her and then light the house on fire to cover it up. All right, so, but our protection is our ultimate shepherd, the Lord Jesus himself. Okay, let's uh, look at the paragraph on page 32. You can have someone read those paragraphs, please. When Jesus announced, I am the door of the sheep, he meant he was the only door for the sheep. He was claiming an exclusive status as Savior of the world, a claim that is repeated throughout the New Testament. See John 14, 6 and Acts 4, 12. While some chafe as yeah. at this claim and try to soften it, there are no alternative meanings for Jesus' words. Jesus is not one way to God. He is the only way. Jesus based his illustration on a sheep pen with a gate, not a closed room with a door, as our culture would think of a door. The only way to legitimately enter a sheep pen is through the door or gate. Since the sheep pen symbolizes a relationship with God, it follows that Jesus, the door, is the only way to enter that relationship. Trusting in anything else, good works, religious traditions, the faith of others, and so on, will not give you access to a relationship with God. You must trust in Jesus alone. Jesus warned about people who would distract his sheep from following him. He said, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus was referred to religious leaders such as the Pharisees and Sadducees who were more interested in personal gain than in leading people to God. In very strong language, Jesus condemned anyone who interferes with people coming to him. Yet Jesus' words, you want me to stop? Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Yet Jesus' words were not all negative. He also gave two wonderful promises. Anyone who follows Christ will come in and go out and find pasture. Number two, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus' followers move freely through life enjoying his blessings. We are promised abundant life, the opportunity to live life to the fullest. Modern advertisers promise you can have it all, 
but they lie. You can never get what you need through the products they advertise. Jesus promised you would have everything you need in life for true contentment and fulfillment, but only in him. Jesus has given you more than you deserve and all of what truly matters in life. Amen. Now notice the second paragraph there. Jesus bases illustration on a sheep pen with a gate, not a closed room with a door, as our culture would think of a door. The only way to legitimately enter a sheep pen is through the door or gate. Since the sheep symbolizes a relationship with God, it follows that Jesus, the door, is the only way to enter that relationship, trusting in anything else. And notice what are some of the things that people trust in. They trust in good works, they do a lot of good things and hoping that God will smile on them because of all the good things that they do, because it doesn't work. Religious tradition, and then people who cling to, their, to a religion that doesn't offer them anything. Yeah, great, great, great grandpa had it, and so I got it too. Doesn't really mean anything, but I got it. Okay, the faith of others. Some people, instead of having their own faith, they found the faith of others, and so on. Will not give you access to a relationship with God. You must trust in who? Jesus alone, plus nothing. Question number two. Where do you, where, where do we encounter thieves and robbers in today's world? Everywhere. <laughs> they all over the place. Especially the TV and the internet. All right. They all over the place. Like bad money. All over the place. Nowhere. There's hardly anywhere you can go and you can't find a thief. Someone trying to rob you of something. <laughs> trying to, to, to swing you. Okay. Huh? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tragic in some cases. Okay, as we look at verses 11 and 13, we find Jesus make another one of those I am statements in keeping with the theme of the shepherd and the sheep. But notice, um, we have an activity on page 33. Uh, read uh, Psalm 23 on page 33. Someone read that please. This is my shepherd. There's nothing I like. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet ones. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest body, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your Lord and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head, Lord. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithfulness, love and pursue me <clears throat> all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Okay, now it says, in the space below, record what the psalm teaches about God's character and care for his people. When we read that psalm, what do we see there about God's character and care for his people? Well, if you're his child, he loves you and he will take care of you. Okay, he loves you and he'll take care of you, okay? 
Somebody else? There's no lack. There's no lack. All right. He says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. Or someone put it in, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Okay. So he cares. He gives rest. He gives protection. What else? Peace too. Peace. Okay. What else do we see there? He's faithful. Faithful. You can count on him. He doesn't make promises that he doesn't keep. What else? Happiness. At the end of the day, you're his house forever. At the end of the day, he's got a place for you. Okay, but what about the dark valley? Anybody have those dark valleys? He'll be with you. Even, the, even when I go through, verse 4 says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I have no reason to be afraid. Why? Because he says he's going to be with you. He's going to be there. Okay, and so instead of focusing on the animal-like qualities of sheep in this psalm, David focuses on the discipleship qualities of those who follow the shepherd. And so God, the psalm tells us about God's confidence, that we can have confidence in God's grace and God's care for us. His presence is our power. His presence is our power. Okay. Okay, let's look at verses 10 to 30, 11 to 13. Back on page 31. I am the great shepherd. The great shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man says he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. He is them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. Okay. Here Jesus gives an illustration to further a further application. He, he illustrates by giving a, a more graphic application uh, of what he means. He said uh, uh, he has much, he is much more than a mere door to the sheep pen. Whereas some religious leaders were thieves and robbers, they only in it for what they can get. Jesus, in stark contrast, is the good shepherd. The other religious leaders are the not-so-good shepherd. Okay? Thieves and robbers sought personal gain at the expense of the sheep and their security. Okay? If, if an animal was coming to attack the sheep, what do you think the shepherd was going to do? Who wasn't, uh, who wasn't a good shepherd? Which crap? Man gone. Sheep on their own. Okay? Because he didn't care for the sheep. Okay? It was, a, it was a, just a means of what he could get out of it. Alright? And we heard stories about David uh, when he was a shepherd uh, attacked uh, animals that attacked his sheep, right? David and Goliath, right? We heard that, that story many times when, when uh, uh, he wanted to go against Goliath. And so a good shepherd, on the other hand, was prepared to experience personal loss for the benefit and protection of the sheep. In other words, a good shepherd is going to lay, lay down his life. He is, he's going to get in a tangle uh, with those who are trying to get at his sheep because they are, he looks at those sheep personally. They are his sheep. His responsibility is to protect them. The higher hand, no personal uh, 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 interest whatsoever. 
Okay? He has no no qualms about letting the sheep get attacked because you know he's just hired to do a job. For him it's just a job. For the shepherd it's personal. And Jesus reminded his heroes that, that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so we get a pretty good picture there of what the shepherd is really all about, the good shepherd. Question number three. What do these I am statements teach us about Jesus' nature and character? What do they teach us about Jesus' nature and character? When we look at those I am statements, huh? We're complete in him. Okay, what else? I'm ahead. I'm on. If you can have a few more. Huh? I am. I am. I always was. Okay, I have a personal stake in this. I am. Okay. If something is complete, you can't add me to it. Right. So we are complete in him. And it's in the present tense too. It's not like I was or anything. Oh, I'm going to be. It's, it's in the here and now. It's in the here and now. I am. If you go into some knees right there, present, it's not like you got to wait until tomorrow for it to be. That's right. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs on page 34. Notice, Jesus made another significant I am statement in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Every shepherd does good for his sheep, leading them to pastures, protecting them from predators, tending them, tending to them when they're sick, and so forth. Jesus' listeners would have expected this, but he claimed much more. He described the good shepherd as one who lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 11. Jesus does more than care for his sheep. He died for them. Unfortunately, Jesus also highlighted two kinds of enemies who can limit people from establishing a relationship with God. The hired man. Since he doesn't own the sheep, the hired man leaves them and runs away when trouble comes. Right? The wolf. The wolf snatches and scatters the sheep as an intentional act of destruction. One enemy abandons the sheep when trouble comes, the other is the trouble. The Pharisees who heard these words likely cringed at the comparison. Jesus earlier had compared them to thieves and robbers in verse 8, and now to hirelings and wolves. Jesus mentioned no words in describing the damage religious leaders do when they are more concerned about preserving their traditions than introducing people to Christ. You could say that Jesus didn't mince words. Jesus' condemnation extends to any person, even a simple church member, who puts religious traditions and preferences ahead of helping people find their way to him. It's easy to lose spiritual focus and think the church exists to meet our needs. It's dangerous to think our ways of doing things are the only acceptable choice and our preferences are the best for everyone. That's what the Pharisees did and it can happen to us as well. But notice the last paragraph there. Jesus' con condemnation extends to any person anybody 
even a simple church member, that's nobody excluded, right? Who puts religious traditions and preferences ahead of helping people find their way to Him. It's easy to lose spiritual focus and think of the church, think the church exists only to meet our needs. Many people, when they go into a church, they want to be, they, their, their expression says, uh, I'm looking for what the church can provide for me, not what they can provide in terms of contribution. And so everybody's looking to have their needs met, but what about meeting the needs of others? It says it's dangerous to think of, of our ways as doing things as the only acceptable choices and our preferences as the best for everyone. So it's a dangerous thought. So you say perish the thought, because it's a dangerous thought to have. Okay, as we conclude verses 14 to 15 and 27 to 30, we'll find Jesus' final thoughts about his role as our good shepherd. Okay, let's read, uh, someone read those verses on page 31. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, they know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Okay, now let's go over to page 35 and look at the paragraphs there. Someone want to read that? Jesus cares for his people, his sheep, is comprehensive and irrevocable. He promised that when he gives eternal life, his followers will never perish, ever. He used a two-fisted example to demonstrate what he meant. Jesus said of his followers, no one will snatch them out of my hand, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand, out of the father's hand. As a young Christian, the fact that Jesus held me securely was difficult for me to believe. My mistake was assuming my efforts secured my relationship with God. While t talking with a youth pastor and another friend about this, pastor took off his wedding ring and handed it to my friend. He told him to make a fist around the ring and then wrap his free hand around his fist. Then the pastor put both his hands around my friend's hands. My youth pastor turned to me and said, try to get the wedding ring out of your hands, out of our hands. Obviously I couldn't do it. Then he said, Jeff, Jesus has hold of you. God has hold of Jesus. You are completely secure. You are like the wedding ring. Nothing can get to you. That illustration isn't perfect, but it has struck, it has stuck me, stuck with me over the years. We are far more secure than that wedding ring. Once you establish a relationship with Jesus through faith, you belong to him completely and permanently. No attack can defeat you. No sin can disqualify you, and no person can steal you away from Christ. See Romans 8, 31-39. Okay, now pay close attention to that last paragraph there. The illustration is not perfect, 
Okay, it's a good illustration, but it's not perfect. Okay? Once we establish a relationship with Jesus through faith, you belong to him completely, and what else? Permanently. Permanently. Okay? It's no saved today, lost tomorrow. Or you can be saved today and lost tomorrow. You are completely and permanently belong to Jesus Christ. Notice, no attack can defeat you. Okay? Not, not that the devil is not going to try. No attack can defeat you. No sin can disqualify you. You know that some people said if you commit this type of sin, you disqualify. No sin can disqualify you. And no person can steal you away from Christ. Question number five. What's our role in assessing and benefiting from Jesus' protection? What's our role in accessing and benefiting from Jesus' protection? Follow his leading. Follow the shepherd. That's right. Follow the good shepherd. Notice many times the sheep gets into trouble is when they stray, right? The only time a sheep gets attacked is if they go out of the path that the shepherd puts them in. Okay, if they stay in the shepherd's care, they're well protected. And so we can access and we can benefit Jesus' protection by following him, staying close to the shepherd. A smart sheep would do that. They would always stay with him. Wherever the shepherd meant that the sheep would follow. Okay, that's a good sheep. That's a sheep who realize where his protection lies. And that's what we need to be able to understand, where our protection is in Christ. Notice the point. Jesus is the only one who offers ultimate protection. Nobody else can, no matter what they tell you. Okay, the Bible says the devil is a, is a deceiver, a thief and a robber. He's gonna tell you all kinds of things. He's gonna make all kinds of promises. But Jesus is the only one who can provide ultimate protection. Okay, let's look at page 36 as we wrap it up. Huh? Question four. No, we didn't do question four. Question four is what makes Christians question their security in Christ? What do you think? Makes Christians question their security in Christ? Okay, when you Okay, when you sin. When you sin. When you sin? Or do something wrong. When you doubt. When you doubt. Oh unbelief. Unbelief, okay. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things is is uh, uh worrying about the potential uh, of losing your salvation. Okay, that's what makes Christians question their security in Christ. That's one of the things. Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge could be one, not being able to, not studying the word. It's like the, door, the blood on the doorpost. If it's there, the thing don't pass by. That's right. You might wonder if they could pass by when they do. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Page 36. How will you respond this week to the offer of Jesus' protection? Consider the following options. Identify your fears. Be especially aware this week of circumstances that cause you to experience fear or concern. 
Record these mo those moments in a journal or list and use them as a starting point for prayer. In other words, take them to the Lord. Study Christ. Read more about the relationship between Jesus and the Father. See page 61 for a short description of what, you, what we know about God and invest time in reading the scriptures provided. That's a good a homework assignment for the coming week. And then number three, share what you've learned. Be intentional about sharing how Jesus has calmed your fears with someone who needs to hear it this week. Of course, you can always find somebody who has a fear of something. Okay, so share, share with them this week how Jesus calms your fears and perhaps that person may not be saved and that will be a good opportunity for them to trust Christ as Savior. Pray that God would provide opportunities and conversations to open the door for you to share what you've learned. Okay, it doesn't make sense keeping it all to yourself. Allow God to give you an opportunity to share it with somebody else. I'm sure somebody could always use it. And then finally, when fears, when fear arises, remember your security is where? In Jesus. He and the Father have you in a double-fisted handful of protection, protective custody. Just like that illustration of the ring. A double-fisted handful of protective security. Couldn't get no security company on this island can provide you with that. Okay, only Jesus can provide that. Nothing can pluck you out of their hands. They all make promises, but only Jesus can keep his promises. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for reminding us of how protected we really are. We have the ultimate security system in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And help us to be mindful of that no matter what we encounter, no matter what the enemy throws us at us or what he throws us into. We ask your blessed benediction as we leave here today. Keep us mindful of our security in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.